0: today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's give all of our guests a great big hand. We appreciate you. We honor you today. All of our guests that are here, thank you for being here today. We honor you. Amen. Amen. I just want to speak today on this subject, the final word the final the final word amen god bless you you may be seated in the presence of the lord i going to help me preach today final word i i do not claim to understand all prophecy as it is spoken of in the book of revelation i'll be the first to admit that i i need to strive to comprehend that better than what i know but in my limited understanding of this great book, I can tell that the 19th chapter is speaking of the end of things. It's speaking of the last days. And How many believe and know that we are living in those last days? But even though we are living in the last days of time, this is, uh, the 19th chapter is, is speaking to the culmination of it all. For John the Revelator begins by writing of the sound of much people giving God praise. He then gives reason for their rejoicing when he pins this passage in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself Ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For unto fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so it is that when he writes here of the bride, he is speaking of the church. For it will be the church that is going to be arrayed, clothed in fine linen. It will be the church that is clean. It will be the church that is pure. So it is that he gets this glimpse of the saints of the Most High. He gets this glimpse of the bride. And he understands that they are now connected with the bridegroom. Somebody said amen. They are now connected in this heavenly vision that John the Revelator writes of. He sees the bride, the church, and they're now connected to the bridegroom who is Christ. And therefore we see the marriage celebration has commenced. This union of bride and bridegroom, this union of God and the church has been spoken of for millennia. It has been prophesied about and it has been prepared for since the day that the church began in the book of Acts. And now it is at this time in the revelation that John is seeing in these end times, in these last of days. This union, this marriage that had been spoken of, prophesied about and promised for millennia has now been finally fulfilled. And so it is that I want you to, and I'm laying a bit of a found uh, framework here. Keep in mind that we are dealing with the end of time. We're dealing with the last of days. And John continues to write about what he sees. And he continues to write and to record. And this is what he goes on to say, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse of God. You mind if I slip into a Bible study for a moment? For this might be a bit confusing at first. For it says that no man knew his name except him alone. But then it tells us just a short time later that his name is called the Word of God. But we need to understand that when he says that his name is the Word, of God, It is talking about what is called the Logos of God. The Logos is our thoughts, intents, and purposes. And so it is when it's speaking of the word, the Logos, it is talking about the thoughts, the intents, and the purposes of God. I need your minds now. So in order to find out what name it's speaking of, we have to understand what the logos, what the thoughts, what the intent of God was. So it is that we turn in the book of John and we read this in John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the logos, was the word, and the word was with God, but the word wasn't just with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And so we find greater understanding in Revelation now concerning the logos, the thoughts of God, the intents of God. We understand now that they were God because you cannot separate the individual from their thoughts. You cannot divide the person from their intentions. It's not two separate beings, two separate entities, two separate things. The thought of a person is the person. So the word was with God, but the word was God. He then gives greater clarification And dimension to this logos, this thought, this intent of God. When he says just a few verses later in John chapter 1 and verse 14. And that logos, that word was made flesh. And it dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And so we find that the logos, the thought, the intent, did not just stay a thought or an intent of God, but the logos, spirit, was made flesh. The thought, the intent, the purpose of God was made flesh, and we beheld his glory. So it is that in reference to that God that was now flesh, we're still talking about the name. The God that was now flesh, the angel of heaven would say this in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph... Thou son of David, fear not to take thee, Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And you're gonna and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name David. Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord by the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, uh, which being interpreted is God with. uh, us. God manifest in the flesh. God who is spirit now we are able to behold him in fleshly form. So it is that the logos the word, the God that is now with us has a name and that name is the name that is above all names. It is the name that every knee is going to bow. It is the name that every uh, is gonna confess Uh, it's a name greater uh, than any problem uh, that you walked in here with today Uh, I've come to tell somebody uh, he's got a name uh, and that name uh, is Jesus come on somebody shout that name come on somebody shout that name Jesus Jesus So it is when it says John the Revelator writing, when he says that no man knew his name. What he means is that no man truly understands the totality of what his name affords. Nobody knows truly the power. (laughs) We got glimpses and we've got Brief understanding and we've got limited knowledge but Sister Fable, we don't understand the fullness of the power that resides in the name of Jesus. We don't fully understand the riches and the wonder and the gloriousness that resides when we speak the name Jesus. That is why hell is doing its best The day and age in which we live and for decades prior to discount and to discredit the name of Jesus in the hearts and the lives of so many. For as long as he can trick them into merely assigning the name of Jesus to the mere humanity of Christ and not to the one who robed himself in flesh. Then they're never ever going to be able to receive the greater revelation and power that resides in the name. For the adver- the adversary knows that everything changes. The moment somebody begins to connect the name of Jesus to the all-powerful <laughs> all-knowing, all-sufficient, all-encompassing God that was and is and is to come. It's more than just a name that you would attach to the humanity of who he was but you gotta understand it's a name and it's a moniker that gets the attention of the one who fills all time and space the one who has the heavens as his throne and the earth as his footstool Woo. the adversary knows that everything changes when you understand That the word wasn't just with God But the word was God And then that same word And that same God Became flesh And dwelt among us And took upon himself The name of Jesus That's when you understand There's power when you pray In the name of Jesus That's when you understand uh, in the midnight hour uh, when nobody's around uh, and nobody can help you. All you got to do is speak the name and you know everything uh, is going to be all right uh, because it's not just a name, uh, but I know who the name uh, is attached to. I'm here to tell somebody uh, that name is attached to one uh, who's never lost a battle. I didn't say he just won most of them. I said he won all of them. Uh, and when you speak the name, uh, you get the attention of the one uh, who is the conqueror overall. Come on, put your hands together. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Ha! Go ahead and shout that name. Somebody go ahead and shout Jesus. 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 My friend, when you understand the power of the name, you don't have to hype anything up. You don't have to get somebody in some emotional situation. You don't even need the musicians or the praise singers. Why? Because you understand the power is when I speak the name. My faith in that name. Somebody shout, Jesus. Jesus. You may be seated. So it is. We Go back to our text. Getting a glimpse into the last of days and the end of time. And in that moment, we see Christ with eyes of fire. Crown on his head. And a name written that said the word of God, riding triumphantly on a white horse with his saints (laughs) coming behind, because as we discussed last week, we are unstoppable. The church has now come to its conclusion, and the bride of Christ has now been joined eternally. With Christ. Oh, what a day. But there is yet one final enemy that needs to be vanquished, one final battle that needs to be waged. The Bible would record it like this in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon. I get my own white horse. You get yours too. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with the rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord (laughs) of lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, To all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on those horses, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast, talking about the devil, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to try to make war against him that sat on the horse and against us. (laughs) And the beast was taken. And with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. The enemy knows where his destination is. I said the enemy knows where he's headed. The enemy knows he's got but just a short time. Verse 21, and the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. It is gruesome and yet exciting at the same time the goriness and the gloriousness of this passage are both felt as one reads these final and fateful words. For this is informing us that in the last days, all that are going to try to stand against the Lord are going to be destroyed. And all that will try to War against him are going to come to naught. The flesh of kings the flesh of captains mighty men that have stood to oppose the creator of all things will be decimated and destroyed in the last and final days and fed to the fowls of the air. The devil himself along with the false prophet will be bound and cast into the lake of fire. Every enemy that ever spoke against the Lord is going to be brought to nothing. Every the adversary that has ever warred uh, against the things of God uh, is going to be taken away. Every opposition uh, will be crushed uh, under the power uh, of the one who rules all. Uh, every challenger uh, that declared contrary rule uh, will be completely destroyed uh, by the hands of God. I'm glad I'm on the right side. Every rival is going to be defeated. Every foe is going to be defeated. Every lie that ever stood in the face of truth is going to be defeated. Every demonic doctrine is going to be defeated. Every false thing, every adversary, every opponent, every antagonist, every challenger will without question be completely destroyed by the sword of the truth that is Christ. I've come to tell somebody if you're not on the winning side you better get on the winning side My Bible tells me to repent of my sins, to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins, and to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And when I do those things in accordance and obedience to the word of the Lord, it puts me on the winning side. Come on, this is really kind of part two of last week, uh, but this is letting us know we're unstoppable. Uh, We are unstoppable. Uh, We're on his side, uh, and every force that would try to come against us uh, will be defeated. You can't stop him. You can't stop us. Come on, somebody praise him. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha. Come on, I'm trying to tell somebody. I know you watch television, you read the news, you hear the radio reports, and it looks like things are getting worse and worse, and it looks like the enemy's getting bigger and bigger, and false doctrine is getting bigger and bigger, and the effects of darkness are getting bigger and bigger. I don't want you as an apostolic believer to ever get to the point where you start feeling smaller and smaller and smaller. You gotta understand who you are. Uh, and you got to understand who you are uh, and you got to understand every bit of opposition uh, is going to be destroyed uh, every dark thing uh, is going to come to nothing uh, it doesn't matter what it looks like right now when this whole thing wraps up uh, it is going to be nothing And God will be victorious. And the church will be victorious. Don't believe that lie. Don't believe that lie from hell that's telling you the church is getting weaker. And darkness is getting greater. He's a liar and the father of all lies. We will be victorious because we're on the winning side. Come on, put your hands and praise him. Somebody shout yes. Maybe seated. And so it is from our text. The Lord would want to speak in these somewhat final moments of my message today. For as we've already mentioned, John is doing his best to describe the one who will enact. This final victory and again this is what he records in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 12 his eyes were as flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And so it is, we have to understand we're dealing with the last mention of the last days. And from the last portion of this scripture, I believe we can extrapolate a very powerful revelation. For from that prophetic passage, we see that the word of God will be what has the final say. None will be able to stand against the word of God. No lie will be able to stand against the word of the Lord. No false thing will be able to stand against the word of the Lord. It does not matter who might have resisted the word is going to get the final say. It did not matter who the enemy of God's people may have been the word is going to have the final say. It did not matter how strongly the adversary may have attacked the word is going To get the final say. So when God chose to reveal to us and give us a glimpse through John the Revelator into the final moments of the final days, he wanted to make sure to let us know that his word was going to have the final say. And I believe the Holy Ghost sent me to tell somebody that not just in eternity, but also in time. The word always has the final say. Doesn't matter what you're facing today. Doesn't matter the obstacle that you've come up against in your life. Doesn't matter the adversary that's warring against your soul. You need to put your faith You need to put your confidence in the fact that the word of the Lord is going to get the final say in your story. Somebody in the house needs to get your nose and your face back in the book. So you can get your confidence back that the word cannot fail. If God is the word and God can't fail, then what his word says cannot fail either. He's going to get the final word, sir. His word's going to get the final word, ma'am. You just got to put your faith in the word of the Lord. Maybe seated, I love how the Lord puts it in the writing to the church of Laodicea. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? So this is his introductory. This is the very start. He hasn't told them one thing yet. He hasn't spoken about nothing. It's good English. Yet. He said, I'm about to write some stuff to you, church. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen. I love this. Because the word amen means so be it. It means it's true or it's complete. It's done, finished, so be it. So before he ever writes one thing, before he ever says one thing, He lets them know he's already proclaimed it to be done. (laughs) A few of you got it. He's already proclaimed it to be complete. He's already claimed it to be finished. Why? Because his word inherently has the power to conclude the matter even before he lets you know what the matter is. In a little while, I'm going to tell you some stuff. But before I even tell you what the stuff is, I want to tell you it's done. In a little while, I'm going to talk to you about some stuff. But I want you to let you know the amen has already spoken. The amen has already decreed. The amen has already proclaimed. He's going to get the final word. Somebody said, Amen. Now, this is important for us to understand that the Bible does not say that God does not lie. It says God cannot lie. Titus 1 and 2 in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. Promised before the world began. It does not say he does not lie. It says that he cannot lie. Because does not lie would denote the fact that he was capable of lying, but his morality and his holiness kept him from it. He could do it if he wanted to, but he's so holy that he doesn't do it. But it doesn't say he does not. It says he. Because cannot lie speaks of him being incapable of lying. And here's why. Because the reason God cannot lie is because when he speaks his word, then whatever his word is has to come to pass. That's why he cannot lie because whatever leaves his mouth, whatever he's written on his word, whatever he speaks, it has to happen. That's how powerful his word is. The reason, no matter what he says, no matter what's recorded in the book, no matter how crazy his word in light of your situation may seem No matter how wide the gap between the reality of God's word and the reality of your story may be. No matter any of those things, God's word has the power to become the final word in our story if we will put our faith and our confidence in a God that cannot lie. I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying to a close. Fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifices of Elijah that he had prepared in order to prove who was the one true living God. And here's why. 1 Kings 18 and 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all of these things at thy word. Immediately after he gets done praying, the windows of heaven open up and fire falls and consumes the sacrifice, the wood, the wood, the the water, and even the stones. But here's what I want us to get. You have to understand that the natural order of things, you do not get fire to fall from heaven just because you build an altar with some stones. Naturally, that does not happen. So, there was nothing that he was doing physically that had the ability to draw fire from heaven. But fire fell and victory happened over the prophets of Baal because of the fact that what he was doing was at the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord always has the final say on the subject. Quickly, I take you to the ministry of Jesus, Luke chapter 5 and verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said, Simon, launch out unto the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, somebody needs to get a nevertheless spirit in the house today. (sighs) Nevertheless, at thy word. I'll let down the net and when they had done this they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their net brake. and they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ships that they should come and help them and they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. I want you to see that there was no earthly reason why those fish should have been there. The veteran fishermen had fished all night and caught nothing, and now Jesus was telling them to let down their nets during the hardest part of the day when fishing would have been the worst. There was no way this is going to work. There's no way there's actually going to be fish at that spot. We're fished. We know it all. We know this lake backwards and forwards. There's no way this method is going to be successful. Nevertheless, I know I shouldn't be believing for my healing because the doctor's saying this and the report's saying this. The email is saying this and the nurse is saying that. But I got a nevertheless spirit. I know physically, I know, I know everything the way it looks. Rationally points to the fact that this should not happen. My spouse shouldn't come to the church. My backslidden son and daughter shouldn't come back. I see them. I look at them. I see what they're doing. And on the outside, it doesn't look like they want anything to do with the Lord. Nevertheless, I got a word. I said, I got a word from the Lord. And the word that I got from the Lord is greater than what my daughter's doing. It's greater than what my son's doing. It's greater than what my spouse is doing. My word from the Lord is greater than what the doctor's saying. My word from the Lord is greater than what the report is saying. My word from the Lord is greater than what the lawyer's saying. I got a word from the Lord, and I believe it's going to be the final word in my life. Come on, somebody lift your hands and give him praise right now. Come on, somebody give him praise. Come on, somebody give him praise. My pain is intensifying. Nevertheless, at thy word, my struggle is bringing me to my breaking point. Nevertheless, at thy word, my night season is longer than it's ever been before, but nevertheless, at thy word. Stand to your feet and give God praise in this house. God, I may be standing here right now with more lack than excess, but your word says you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And so I'm going to put my faith in your word. God, I realize my sickness may be progressively getting worse, but your word tells me that you are the great physician. And that you took the stripes on Calvary for my healing. So instead of believing the doctor's report, I'm going to go ahead and believe the report (laughs) of the Lord. (sighs) Woo. Somebody said amen. amen. Now don't leave here saying we don't believe in doctors. I didn't say that. I just say at the end of the day, I'd rather listen to the great physician. God, I know I can't see any way out of what I'm going through, but your word says you can make a way where there seems to be no way. So that's what I'm going to put my faith in because I believe you're going to have the final word. My enemies are shouting one thing, but this book is shouting something else all together, different. And I got the ability to listen to either one of them. I can listen to the enemy or I can listen to the word. I'm just going to put my faith and my confidence in the word of the Lord. The devil's telling me everything I don't have, but the book is reminding me of everything that I do have. Come on, the devil's telling me I'm a failure. The devil's telling me I'm a loser. The devil's telling me I'm nothing. But the word of the Lord is saying you are more than a conqueror. You're going to have to believe one or the other, baby. I'm just going to let it be known right now. I'm going to choose to believe the report of the Lord. The final word. The final word. Stay standing. Stay standing. My dad, some of you know him, some of you didn't pastor this church for years, great preacher, great man of God. I remember from a young boy, when sometimes we would go, he would preach out and we'd go along and if the message lent itself and he felt led of the Holy Ghost to do so, he would tell this illustration some of you might have heard it, but some of you, many of you haven't. So it was that he was, when he was a young evangelist, just him and my mom, us boys weren't even born yet, young evangelist who was preaching at church, gave the altar appeal, and there was a, uh, it was a man came down, and this man was demon possessed. This man comes down, and he gets about halfway through, and he falls on the floor, my dad said he began to slither like a snake all the way to the front. And uh they began to pray for this man, and he said that those demonic voices began to speak out of that man. And They began to pray and call on the name of Jesus. I mean, no, we don't have to be afraid of that kind of stuff. The enemy's afraid of us. We don't have to be afraid of him. And my dad, my dad laid hands on that man and cursed that demon and cast that demon out of that man. And that Those voices kept talking, lying, talking, all that kind of stuff. But when my dad prayed for him, he said that that voice left and that spirit left, left his body. And he said the last words of that demon as it was leaving. And he said, and even as he was saying it, he said it got more quiet and faint as that demon was leaving. And the final words that that demon said was this, he wins every time. He wins every, I'm here to tell somebody, the devil in hell knows that God's going to get the final word every single time. So if the devil knows it, we got to start believing it. He wins every time. He wins every time. He'll win in your story. He'll win in your story. He'll win in your family. He'll win in your finances. Why? Because he has the final word. Come on, somebody praise him in the house right now. He wins every time. (laughs) He's never lost. He's never lost. And he's not about to lose in your story. said, we've talked about this before, but I just want you to think about it. Since Adam and Eve, he has never lost in the lives of humanity. Now, how many know humanity can mess things up? But God has never lost in the life and in the story of humanity. What makes you so special? That since Adam and Eve... Why are you so special that your story is going to be the story that he fails? We're talking about billions and billions of people. And your story is so different? (laughs) Come on. Stop letting the enemy try to tell you what's going to happen. And you just start putting yourself in a position of faith to know, hey, he didn't lose there. And he didn't lose there. And he didn't lose there. And I've been serving him for a while. And he's never lost there. And he didn't lose there. So guess what? He's not going to lose here. He had the final word there. He had the final word there. So he's going to have the final word in my story currently. I'm going to put my faith in a God that cannot fail. Come on, praise him in the house right now. Praise him, praise him. Praise him, praise him, praise him in the house.